Welcome to Harvest Mission Community Church. You are listening to one of our sermons. I think having a clear vision for the future is very important. It will help you to stay focused. It will help you to stay motivated. It will help you to strive to see the future that you've imagined that you will want to become a reality in your lifetime. This is the reason why just having a vision alone is not enough. There are a lot of people who have visions, ideas. But those people who have a vision for the future and make it a reality are those who are devoted, dedicated, they are disciplined, they are diligent, because they see this reality that they want to make it in the present. That's why vision is important. This is why vision, even for your own personal life, even for your family, even for your friends, wherever you're working, all these things into the future, if you have a clear vision, it will help you to get up in the morning because you know now what your purpose is and what it is that God is calling you to do. As I talked about last week, I pray that we will align ourselves with God's purposes. Because anything in the future, we know that God is the one who's holding our future. So when we align ourselves with His purposes, not our own, what we desire, what we want, but aligning with His purposes, that's when we're going to find true joy and true happiness. Some of us this morning are feeling miserable. We have no motivation. We don't want to get up to go to work or even go to school. And the reason why, as I challenged you last week, is that maybe possibly some of us, we're not lining ourselves with the purposes of God, but it's our own little dream, our own little future, and that will never fully satisfy because you will always want more and you want more. But when you think about God's vision and His plan and the things that He wants to do globally, that's when you realize it is so much bigger than me. That's why I need other people to come alongside me to allow me to understand this future that God has. For us as a church, the executive team and I, uh, we've been in prayer, especially as some of you know, we've been going through a lot of transitions, even this past May, throughout the summer. And so we've been in prayer, and as we've been praying together, we just felt like God was calling us to a season uh, with this one word, and that word is saturate. That kept on coming up as we were praying, seeking God for direction, and what is it going to look like in the future, and that word saturate came forth. The American Heritage Dictionary defines saturate as to soak or fill so that no more liquid can be absorbed. Secondly, to supply with the maximum that can be held or contained. Fill thoroughly. The Cambridge Dictionary defines it in this way. To make a place completely full of something. That's what it means to saturate to make a place completely full of something. The second part of that definition, it says to fill a thing or a place completely so that no more 
can be added. This is when a verse came into my mind as we're thinking about this word saturate. And this verse is the verse that I want to share with you to lay a biblical foundation of what it is that God is calling us to do as we look ahead into the future. It comes from Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 14. And some of you might know he, he's a minor prophet in the Bible, but a prophet nonetheless who spoke very clearly to the people of Israel of some of the things that were coming. I, I think in the future we need to start studying more of these prophetic books. Some of us are just too comfortable and we, we like things that are just whatever will make us comfortable. I'm telling you, as you read the prophetic books, you realize you cannot be comfortable. There are a lot of things that the prophets say that are on the heart of God that we need to be able to listen and obey. And so Habakkuk, we will see here in chapter 2, verse 14, listen to what he says as he's quoting what God has told him. He says, For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. I'm going to read it again. For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the water covers the sea. I want to just spend some time just talking about this small little book. I'm not going to go into detail, but I just want to give you a context and why that verse in Habakkuk chapter 2 verse 14 is so significant for us. And then I'm going to look at another verse in the same book and then draw some principles. And then I want to share with you what we feel like God is calling us to do in this season as our theme, our vision Sunday will be saturated. When we look into this book of Habakkuk, it is a very powerful reminder of the sovereignty of God, simply meaning that he is in control and you're not. If you think you're in control, you are mistaken because you might be working out, being healthy, and all of a sudden they find a tumor. You're not in control. Some of you work very hard to somehow go up the corporate ladder and you feel like you've done everything and then somehow the boss decides they're going to give you the promotion. There are some things in life that you are not fully in control. Some of you, you could raise the best kids in the world in your home. But once they hit teenage or go off to college, they can go completely opposite of what you're teaching them. You're not in control. You think you are, but you're not. God is. And that is the message that the prophet Habakkuk wanted to remind the Israelite people. God is the one who is sovereign. God is the one who is in control. God is the one who will accomplish his mission and whatever he desires. He talks about the sovereignty of God in the midst of human frailty. That human nature, human beings, you and I, we're sinful and we are helpless and we are hopeless to, by ourselves. You could try to do all these things to find the, the meaning and hope and whatever it may be in your life. But what the prophet is trying to say is that God in his sovereignty is so much greater in the midst of human frailty. And that is why God is always accomplishing his purposes 
and pursuing his glory above all things. The prophet Habakkuk ends up asking two important questions in this book that I believe that many of us in this room are probably asking these same questions. The first question is this. How long must we go through what we're going through? As they were in Babylon, as they were struggling, they were suffering, they were going through a lot of difficulties. So it seems legitimate that the Israelite people should ask this question. How long do we need to go through this? There are some of you right now, this morning, you might be asking that question in your life. Some of you might be going through some difficult things. You're facing some challenges right now in your life. And you're wondering to yourself, how much longer do I need to go through this? Once again, God's sovereignty in the midst of human frailty. Here's the second question that is being asked in this book that the prophet Habakkuk is trying to answer. Does God even care about us? Because if we're going through what we're going through, how long do we need to go through this? But then somewhere down the line, you have to ask that question, does he even care about us? If he does, why doesn't he take away the difficulty and the challenge? So this is the reason why even this book, I think it has many significance for our generation here today. And these two questions are asked in chapter 1. Because the prophet Habakkuk couldn't understand why God was allowing evil to prevail and appeared as if he is doing nothing about it. Also, he could not understand why God, I, I want you to think about this, why God was going to use the Babylonians, the wicked people that he, the Israelite people did not like, to punish the Israelites. So think about it this way. Here are the Israelite people, the people of God. They were disobedient. They were not following God. So God decides to use people that were their enemies to then discipline them. That doesn't make sense. And then I want you to listen to what it says. That discipline is sometimes... No matter how much you want to try to avoid it, God's discipline sometimes comes. That's why in Habakkuk chapter 1, verse 5 and 6, it says, Look at the nations and watch and be utterly amazed. I want you to read the yellow section with me. It says this, For I am going to do something in your days that you will not believe. Even if you were told, I am raising up the Babylonians, that ruthless and impetuous people who sweep across the whole earth to seize dwelling places, not their own. A lot of people like to quote that verse and misquote it and say, oh, God's going to do some amazing things. That's not what he's saying. What God is saying is, you don't even know what I'm going to be doing and you're not going to like it. Because I'm going to do something that is going to completely amaze you. Like You're going to be like, Lord. I am going to send the Babylonians, the people that you hate, your enemies of the Israelite people, and I'm going to use them to discipline you so that you will humble yourself. 
I think one thing we must always learn to accept is that God will do things according to his sovereignty. And we might not fully understand it, nor will we fully accept it. But we have to have trust and belief. If I could just be very frank and direct with you this morning, there are some of you right now that are going through things, and that is God's discipline on your life. Because there are areas of disobedience, things that are not aligned with the heart of God. It could be your pride. It could be your selfishness, your self-centeredness. It could be your lack of love towards people that he has called you to love. There are a lot of things that our lives are not aligned with the purposes of God. So here's God disciplining the Israelite people through and with their enemies so they will be humbled and turn back. I love what John Piper said, and it's a quote that we quoted before. It's a 2012 tweet that went viral. He wrote this, God is always doing 10,000 things in your life, and you may be aware of three of them. Those three things might be what you face and see and you're struggling, but he is doing 9,997 other things that you do not see because you're not God. You're not infinite in your knowledge. You're not omnipotent, nor omniscient. So for the very three things that you may see around you and you complain, God is doing 9,997 other things that you might not even be able to see. That's how God is so wise and so loving. But this still left Habakkuk feeling unsettled. Why? Because once again, thinking that there's a God who is using their enemies to discipline them, do you not care, Lord? How much longer? And this is when we come to Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 14 that we read today. I want to read it in a couple other translations so that we can kind of get this idea about how the glory, the knowledge of the glory of the Lord will fill the earth as the water covers the sea. I'm going to read it in the Amplified Version and read the yellow section with me. It says this, But the time is coming when the earth shall be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters covers the sea. So there's this idea of a, a timing of things. Here's another thing, another translation. The Living Bible says this, and read the yellow section with me. The time will come when all the earth is filled as the waters fill the sea with an awareness of the glory of the Lord. So once again, there's a timing aspect, and then there's going to be this, in the ESV it says knowledge, but here it talks about an awareness. That means that you might not have known before, but all of a sudden, now you know. There's an awareness that will come of the glory of God. 
that will fill the earth like the water filling the sea. One more translation. It says this in the contemporary English version. Just as water fills the sea, the land will be filled with people who what? Know and honor the Lord. Think about this. There are a lot of people in your workplace, in your school, in the city of Hong Kong that do not honor or know who God is. And this is his promise to Habakkuk and to the Israelite people. There will come a time, a specific time. In my time, God's sovereign time, he says, there will come a time where every person will know the, they will have awareness and this knowledge of the glory of the Lord. And just like the waters covering the sea, it will be filled. God uses this illustration of how the water, this is important, that God uses this illustration about water covering the whole sea to explain how the knowledge or the awareness of God and His glory will be known. And when you think about this illustration, you realize why it's so important. Because just like the sea, it will be abundantly deep and expansively far and wide. I, I don't know if you've ever just been at some of these beaches here in Hong Kong, beautiful. Some of you live uh, on the east side or the west side of Hong Kong, and you can look out and you see the sea or the ocean, and it's, it's, it's beautiful. But one of the things that I begin to notice is sometimes when I'm just looking out, I realize how expansive it is. And as some of you have been into different places around the world, you know that some of the oceans go so deep. It's so deep that it's like that dark blue. Jaws or sharks, you know, coming. Like I get sometimes really freaked out about that. But think about it. It is so deep and it is so expansively far and wide. So I want you to think about why is it that God used this illustration to talk about that the awareness or the knowledge of the Lord will fill the earth just like the waters will fill the sea. Because what God is trying to say is that people's awareness of my glory, people's knowledge of my glory and who I am, it is going to literally fill the whole earth. That is my purpose. That is my plan. That is what I'm here to do. And that's why when you read this, you realize it is not only encouraging in the midst of the situation, but then you realize that each one of us has a part to play. The thing that we must consider is that even though it seems like Satan and his kingdom is advancing and there's so many opposition that's going on that God's kingdom is spreading. The knowledge of the Lord will be worldwide, who he is. People will come to know him. And the question is this, Pastor, how will, how will, God, how will people know him? Well, let me give us a couple things here. The first thing is this, it's going to be a commitment to the Great Commission. That's the first thing. Many of you know this passage, we read it quite often and we believe in this. We want to obey this. It says in Matthew chapter 28, verse 19 through 20, it says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So we see very clearly 
that part of allowing the knowledge of God to fill this earth is that he uses people like us. And that's, that was the role of the Israelite people. They were to show the rest of the world because they were supposed to be a light to the world. But they failed, and that is why Jesus came and fulfilled that mission. Now he gave us that commission to say, go and make disciples of all nations, that you are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. And so this calling of making disciples of all nations should be a priority, not only just as a church, but individually. Can I just pause here and challenge some of you? Are you discipling anybody? Forgive me, sometimes when I speak very frankly, some of you might misinterpret it or you might get offended by it. But this is scripture. And I don't apologize for offending people because I'm preaching scripture. My challenge to you right now is that are you discipling somebody because it is a clear command if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you ought to disciple. This is how the glory of the Lord fills the earth. It's because we're committed to the great commission of going and making disciples of all nations. That's why our church is a very multicultural, multi-international type of church. Why? Because we want to reach nations. It would be great if we had a Korean church. We have Korean food afterwards. We can speak Korean. We can even watch Korean drama if we want. In Korean, without the subtitles. <laughs> but we want to reach nations, not just Koreans, in our church. We want to reach nations. That's why when we have our church, when there's more color, I get very excited. Those from the darker hue, we got some from the lighter hue, and then we got somewhere in the mixed. No one could figure where you from, where you're from. We are an international church that wants to reach nations. That doesn't mean that we're not going to reach out to the local Hong Kong people or people who are coming from China. But our vision is we, we want to be an international church because we're reaching nations. I pray that any nation, someone, anyone from any nation can come to our church and they can feel at home. Not only through a commitment to the Great Commission... But I want you to notice there is a commission of the next generation. It is interesting that Habakkuk makes a petition to God. Now, listen to me carefully. In chapter 3, verse 2, listen to what he writes. O Lord, I have heard of the report of you and your work, O Lord, do I fear. In the midst of the years, revive it. In the midst of the years, make it known. In wrath, remember mercy. I'm going to read it from the NIV, which is more the popular version of this verse. Some of you probably heard. Listen to what it says and read the yellow section with me. Lord, I have heard of your fame. I've heard about you. 
some of the stuff that you do, how you heal people, how you transform people from the inside out, how you split the Red Sea, how you resurrected people from the dead. I've heard of your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds. We're amazed, Lord. We're even amazed at how you sustained our church for these eight years as we got started in 2015. We, are, we stand in all of your deeds. How even you've raised people up in our church. Praise God for what, what we heard in the city ministry. That simply means that those people who are part of OCR, half of the people who were at that meeting were all new believers or new, new guests. And we're praying that some of them will come to know Christ. In fact, if that's some of you, I'm just excited for you because some of you signed up for a life group just after this event that we had. We had a great panel as they shared some of the things that they're learning. I stand in all of your deeds, O Lord. And it says, renew them. Come on, read this. In our day, in our time, make them known in wrath, remember mercy. So not in the past, nor even in the future, but in our day, today, right now, in this generation, renew the things that you used to do because we have heard of your fame. And make them known. And in wrath, because they were facing the wrath of God, he says, remember mercy. Habakkuk is asking God to do three things for this generation. First of all, renew his work. What God did in the past, the prophet is asking God to renew it or revive it. Not only equally like you did in the past, but even greater. Oh, how we long to see greater works of God in our generation. What would it be like if God worked so powerfully in our church and in our life groups that we see more people come to Christ like never before? More than eight years ago when we first got started. More than five years ago. Some of you who are older and you're still in our church, maybe be greater than when I was an undergrad. So not only renew his work, but the second thing that he prays in this verse is what? Reveal his purpose. All the wonderful deeds, all the stuff that God did to demonstrate his power and his purpose, not just for the Israelite people, but for the world. Reveal your purpose. That's what we talked about last week. The sense of God's purpose, why that is so important. What is your purpose? What is God's purpose? Is it aligned? Reveal your purpose to us, God. Whatever you want us to do, we want to do. Because that is your heart. And lastly, respond with mercy. In spite of all the renewal of his work, revelation of his purpose, he prayed, God, show us mercy. Show us mercy. Because they knew that they were deserving of God's wrath. Because of their willful disobedience and their rebellious hearts. But he says, remember mercy. Can I just ask us, 
as I'm kind of bringing this to a close here, I, I want us to think about this. What would it be like if we prayed this prayer for our church and for the next generation? Something I'm realizing now as I'm interacting with a lot of older statesmen or maybe the best way to, the giants in the faith. They are people who really live their lives and you could just see the godliness just exuding out of their lives. Really humbling and um, there's a sense of privilege and honor when I talk with them and interact with them. And I realized something, that as we were talking, how much some of these older people really have a heart for the next generation. It's amazing. To the point it's very humbling when I'm listening to some of the stuff that they're saying. And so I gave it some thought. Why are these older people, godly people who love Jesus, why do they have a heart for the next generation? And it dawned upon me, this is just a speculation, just a thought, at least for me as I'm thinking about as I'm getting older, is that as you get older, you realize you don't have that much more to live. I know it sounds really morbid, right? Sorry, but this is just the reality. As we get older, we begin to understand our mortality and realize we cannot live here on this earth forever. There will come. You can, you, you can get all the surgeries you want. You can put on all the creams you want. You could do a lot of things. You can slap your face because then it takes away the radicals on your face. There are a lot of things that you can do to try to sustain your youth or young looking. But I'm telling you right now, one day, every single one of us in this room, we will die. And then we have to give an account to God. And so because they know as they're older, like in their late 60s, 70s, and even 80s, as they know that their time is coming to an end, their heart is it's no longer about them. But it's about the next generation. Can I just challenge us with something to think about? Who are some of us in this room that have neglected the next generation and we're just thinking about ourselves? This is the reason why those of us who are in a particular batch, that you, as you get older and you are third year, fourth year, your next generation is those who will come first year or second year because you've been there. And my challenge to you is do you have a heart for the next generation of people in your school? What is it that you're going to leave behind as a legacy? What is it that you're going to impart to some of these younger people as you realize that this is my last year of college life? What is it that I'm going to leave behind? And I realize the best thing you can leave is not your name on you know, a building, run, run, whatever. Not on, not on that building. But the best thing that you can do is to impart the life of Christ into somebody else as you follow Christ and you disciple somebody. Help them to come to know Christ. 
to those of us who are single adults, working professionals. I know some of us just graduated, you entered into the city ministry, and it's so easy to think to yourself, like, I'm just trying to get a hold of life, and this transition is harder than I thought. And why don't they have Friday night gatherings every single night or every single Friday? What is going on? And this life group, hung. well, why do they come and they all leave? We used to hang out till 1230. <laughs> what is happening here? Do, that, do they not love God? <laughs> so I'm, I understand. It's a struggle to transition from a college life group now to a city life group. And you realize things are what? Everyone say it. Different. Some of you interpret that as, oh, yeah, they don't love God, and this is what's wrong with them. It's just different because the responsibility now is increasing. That's why those of you who are college students, you know we love you. We love you so much. Some of you are like, oh, life is so hard. Oh, I'm so busy. And I, can I just give you advice? Anyone who's older than you, they are laughing inside. But they're like, oh, we understand. But they're laughing inside because your life, your best life is right now in college. Think about it. You only have to commit three hours, maybe four hours of any work. You have to go to class. And sometimes even in class, you don't even pay attention. So here you are. And then you have all this time. Pizza at one in the morning, glorious. You're not going to be doing that once you start working. So going back to those of us who are single adults, you remember those times. You realize that that was very formative in your life, that you had community, that you had friends, you were able to grow in your walk with God, you learned some of the basic things of reading the Bible, about prayer, you went to some of these gatherings and the undergrad retreat we're going to have for the very first time in the history of our church. Amen. A lot of exciting things. And so I want you to think about this as you're thinking about here I am as a single working professional, just to remember and realize that even though it was great, it was fun, but there were moments that it was tough. You didn't know what you were going to do. You didn't like that class. So my challenge to you is, are you spending time or imparting or to bless some of these undergrad because now you are a working single adult? You know where I'm going with this. To those of us who are married, you remember when you were single and you thought you were going to die single. And you're like, Lord, please, just anybody now. Before I had all it was like when you were trying to work. But now you have this greater sense of just more stability. Now you're married. So this, the next generation for you is to be able to reach out to those people who, where they were right before you got to where you are. What are you doing? Are you investing? Blessing them? Inviting them over to your home with your family? Going out and being able to share? Once again, I told you, you know where this is going. To those of us who are married with children... You remember those times when it was like a glorified marriage where you had no kids? But you want to prepare them. That's part of imparting. Those of us who are married and all our kids are gone. 
We're empty nesters. Do you remember when some of the families, when we were a family and our kids were running around, we had to take them to all the soccer and all the events, how crazy it was? So you impart to that next generation. I don't know how many seniors we have here, senior citizens, but we'll serve you. Amen. This is my prayer for our church, that we will have a high commitment to the Great Commission. And that we will, as we think about our lives, that we will be able to commission the next generation. Because we know that that is so important to the purpose and the plan of God. Let me just quickly share this. And then I want us to take this time to respond. In order for some of these principles to be applied into our lives into our context. I want to share about the saturate vision. And like I said, I'm just going to do a 35,000 feet overview. I'm not going to go into detail. Some of you who always want detail come next week and the week after that. But right now, I'm not going to go into all the, I'm just going to share with you what it's going to look like, how we're going to move forward as a church, as a community, as a spiritual family together to see this vision of just filling this earth with the knowledge and awareness of the glory of God as the water covers the sea. We're going to saturate this place. So what is the saturate vision? The saturate vision for us is simply this, to saturate Hong Kong with the knowledge of God's glory by living out the kingdom lifestyle and sharing the gospel so that we can reach more people locally, regionally, and globally for the spread of Jesus' fame. Our vision for the future is that we want to saturate Hong Kong with the knowledge of the glory of God by living out the kingdom lifestyle. Because if we don't live differently, if we don't live in such a way that inspires people, what is it about you? then we're just going to be a resounding gong or it's going to be contained within the four walls of this building. That we want to live out the kingdom lifestyle and then share the gospel because it is such good news. If you have yet to share the gospel message, you, it's not good news to you. When there is good news, you will want to share it. Now, you don't have to beat them over the head and say, the wrath of God, did you read the book of Habakkuk? You know, and you don't have to do that. But when something is that good and something that is such good news, you will want to share it. That's the beauty. That's why the gospel is the good news. And when you translate it in the original language, it is good news. It transformed my life. Yes, I still struggle, but it, it's different. My hope, my perspective, everything, it's different. So that we can reach more people, not just here locally, but regionally, as we talk a lot about the circle, and then also globally, and it's for the spread of Jesus' fame, because we want to make Jesus famous. Because a lot of people have negative views of Jesus, Christians, church, but we want to show the world how good he is, and that's why we're giving our lives to this, because it is worth giving your life to, and say, God, help me, help me to be able to spread your name around the world. This is why we have to learn the significance 
of the gospel and the kingdom of God. We're going to try to do that throughout the years to come. We have to live in obedience to God to reflect the kingdom values. We just recently made a, made a tool to help us to understand, assess ourselves, and talk about obedience in our lives. That is probably one of the biggest reasons why we are not experiencing the joy of the Lord. This is one of the reasons why we're not experiencing just a sense of purpose. It's because we're disobedient to the things that God has shown us in His Word. We have to love people who are not yet in the kingdom of God. Some of you, I know you grew up in the church and we love you, but I'm telling you right now, some of us who grew up in the church, it is really easy just to hang out with other Christians. I didn't grow up in the church. That's why my heart breaks for the lost. Because I know what that feels like when your family is not a believer, when you are not a believer. You're chasing after all the stuff in the world. And then you come across this gospel message that it's such good news. It changed your life. That's why if, any, if you know anybody who has known me when I was younger, they would say, this is not the same man. It's by the grace of God. But because it was such good news to me, it radically changed my life. I am not the same. And God is still working in me and in my heart. But I know the work that he has done is because the grace that he has shown me. I pray that you will learn to love people who are yet in the kingdom of God, who are not part of our family. I pray that that will be exhibited in your workplace. That will be exhibited in your school. They might say some dumb things or things that are offensive to Christians. But to understand that if you're not a believer or you've been hurt by the church, then it's easy to criticize. It's easy to put down. But to show them that there's a different way. To entice them. To say that the God that you experienced and the Christians that you came across, maybe they weren't really believers. Maybe they weren't living out this kingdom lifestyle. But not that I'm perfect, but I want to introduce you to a community that's imperfect but learns how to love with this perfect love that is Jesus Christ. We've got to love people who are yet part of the kingdom. And then lastly, we have to labor for God's kingdom because we want to make Him famous. I pray that Jesus... That name will not be used in a swear word, amen? But that name will be a, a glorious name, an awesome name, the name above all names, that every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that he is Lord. So as a church, we want to accomplish this vision by focusing on four values. And remember Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 14, that the knowledge of the glory of the Lord will fill the earth just like the waters cover the sea. And that is what we want. So our saturate vision, as I just shared with you, the four values and the goals that we're going to try to move forward towards, we're just going to use the acronym FILL because we want the glory of God to be filling this place in Hong Kong and then regionally and then globally. The F is simply this, and this is where you get to participate, and some of us need to continue to work through this. The first thing is foundations. We need to go back to the basics and lay down a strong biblical foundation. Why? Because if you don't make it about Jesus and you really see that it's really not about you but about Him, if some of these things, you might think that you have it down, but many of us, we don't. But unless we understand this, every single decision, it will be about us. 
rather than about the kingdom of God. And some of the decisions are going to be hard decisions. Decisions that you will have to make that you might not want to make because there's going to be a risk. But you do it because you love Jesus. And I'm praying that we will raise up people who have the solid foundation. We need to grow in our personal relationship with God. We need to be able to spend time with Him. I know we have this thing called SOAP, which is kind of our Bible reading, and you write down some observation, application, and prayer. But can I just encourage you, even though some of us who are young, even though it seems like tedious, I'm telling you right now, you are disciplining yourself so that God's word will be completely saturating your mind and your heart. So decisions you make, the things that you do, the things that you don't do will be driven by Jesus. I'm going to share this with you, and I want you to understand, I have met people, we're talking about older people in their 30s, 40s, 50s, even in their 60s, that ever since they became a Christian, they began to serve. And what happens? There's nothing wrong with serving. In fact, we try to encourage all of you to start serving. As you come to know Christ, as you get your spiritual gifts assessed and see what the needs are and where you can, but this is the problem. And I've seen this time and time again. There are a lot of people, as soon as they become a Christian, they start serving. And some of them are very diligent. And then these older people or these people who are in leadership, they look at them and say, wow. They must really love God because look at how much they serve. But listen to me. But they don't have a personal relationship with God. So think about doing this for almost 20 years. They don't read the Bible on a regular basis. They don't pray on a regular basis. They just know I'm a believer and they just want to serve because it's all about the doing. And you can always tell the fruits from those types of people. Always. That's why we want to encourage you That's why we have LCG, which is our basic, smallest unit of community. One other person for one hour, once a week, to meet together, or even a group of three. Because why? You're sharpening each other. Are you reading the Bible? Are you obeying God? What are some things that God is trying to speak to you about? Are you trusting Him? Whether it's at work, with your family, whatever it is, are you trusting in Him? Like, if we're not even at that level, then the question now becomes, how are you growing? We got to lay down this foundation, even life group, because that becomes a community where you're actually living out your faith. You cannot have this personal relationship and separate it and devoid of relationships where you practice the one another's. So those of us who might not be a part of a life group, I just want to encourage you. I'm not going to force you, but I want to encourage you to say my life is God's and I am going to impart and be in relationship with other people and to grow as I do this life group. Those of you who have been in life group for many, many years, can I challenge you this year? Do it differently. Do it differently. Change your perspective. Why it's important? Because this is kind of what we've been talking about, like a micro church, a smaller church as we gather together. Who knows what's going to happen here in Hong Kong? There might come a time where we might not be able to even gather like this. And we have to gather in smaller groups. We want to be prepared, whatever God has planned for us. We've got to grow in our character. We've got to grow in making disciples. These are all foundational things. This is our DNA. This is what the scripture says. So if we're serious about filling this earth with the knowledge and the glory of God, as the water covers the sea, as we saturate the city, then the first thing is our foundation. We've got to grow in our walk with God. The second thing is this impact. 
What is impact? The Oxford Dictionary defines impact as simply as this, the powerful effect that something has on somebody or something. When we live out our faith and do things for God's glory, we will have a powerful effect on other people. One of the best ways to impact people and community, as I mentioned, is through life groups. I'm praying that we will make impact in people's lives, those who are closest to us. It could be your family. It could be your friends. It could be your life group. It could be a different batch or your own batch. Create and understand that there's a high calling to make an impact. The L is link up. One of the things that we're praying for and we're hoping for is that as these small groups begin to pop up and we start different things because more people are coming to Christ and we're growing, so we're splitting, and now we have two instead of just one. As we multiply, one of the things that we've been envisioning is that we will come together and cluster those life groups or micro churches together in all of the 18 districts in Hong Kong. So let, let me show you a map here, and this is something that we've covered before. And so with all the life groups, this is what we have right now, but we're praying in the future that we will have more. And as we start to begin to multiply and to grow, one of the things that we're hoping and praying for is those life groups that we see will be clustered together where we can have district churches. Because small group is great. Life group is great. There's a lot of community, people caring for one another. But sometimes it's very difficult to do other things when there's a small group. So that's why we want to be able to cluster the groups together once in a while and to be able to join together to have a district church to reach out to that region. There are 18 districts in Hong Kong, 18. That means there are places all over Hong Kong that some of you are not even familiar with. Once in a while, I, I, I just, I, if the Holy Spirit leads, I, I'd like to go to some of these different places and just observe and see what's going on. And I pray and I'm asking God to open up some of these areas so that we might be able to share the gospel, and make Jesus famous. That's my hope and prayer. This is what we're trying to do by the grace of God. So we link up together. And lastly, the F is foundation, the I is impact, the L is link up, and the last L is to launch. One of the things that we see is the launching of hubs and centers of transformation. What I mean by that is simply this. I believe that God, as the, we're reaching out to the different communities and district churches that we talked about, I believe that God's going to allow us to have some kind of center or a hub. And why is this important? Because this is where we're going to train and send people out to different places, not just in Hong Kong, but all over the world. I'll share with you more in the following weeks of some of the different things that God is doing. And that I believe that as we saturate Hong Kong, not only are we going to reach it locally, but we're praying that we will be able to reach some of these other cities around Hong Kong, around this part of the world, regionally, and then we will be able to do things globally. But we got to start here in Hong Kong. We have to reach out and saturate and fill this whole place with the glory and the knowledge of God. I want to show you this video, which... Um, Many of you who prayed and supported the missions team this summer, 
we're just really grateful for all of you. And this is why I love our church. Even though we sent about 18 or so people, in fact, the whole church went. Because you were praying. You, you heard the updates along the way. And you gave generously. Even though your motive was to pie that person, your leader. But you gave generously. And that's why we were able to do the things that we're able to do. I want to show you the closing video. It's a summary of what we did this summer. And in it, it's just several people who are sharing their testimonies about what it really means to follow Christ in obedience to Him. And then towards the end, there's going to be some numbers and statistics. And they're just not numbers. They're people, people's faces in China, people in Thailand, which you participated through your giving and your prayers. And this is a little window to what we want to see happen. Not only here in Hong Kong, not only in the circle that we keep on talking about, which I'll talk about in the weeks to come, but also we want to see this around the world. My hope and prayer is that the knowledge and the awareness of the glory of God will fill the earth, every single corner, every single place. It will saturate this whole world as the water covers the sea. Let's watch this together. And if I could just close with some next steps for the rest of us. You know, a lot of times whenever there's a vision, it just seems like, wow, there's all this. this I don't know if we're going to be able to do that or this seems kind of foolish. Or, you know, you, you'll, get, you'll get people who will disagree with you. There will always be complainers. There will be people who don't like this or that. I, I've been doing this for a long time, close to 30 years. I've, I've seen it all. I've heard it all. And so for me, one thing that we always have to stay true to is who God has called us to be. Harvest, mission, community church. With some of the basic DNAs that we believe in. And one of them is missions. Making disciples. Community. That's why life group is so important to our church. And I, I know I've been talking to some of you and, you know, we're doing whatever we can to help some of you in different situations, but I keep on telling people, our church is not a Sunday-based church. If that's what you're looking for, there are so many other churches. Our church is not a Sunday-based church. Because I've seen that in the United States. I've seen it in many other places. And what it produces is consumers who sit there and say, what is it for me? But when you're in a life group, it's not about you. Now you have to serve other people. Now you have to open up your heart where you don't want to. Especially in Asia, you don't want to share vulnerably. So for me, all I know is that the things that we value, we will continue to value. Our DNA, who we are, that cannot change. Because I know who I am. I know who God has called us to be. We'll flex, we'll try to do whatever we can to accommodate as best as we can, but we are not going to change some of the basic core DNA of who we are. And so what I'm going to invite you to do, all of us here, as we see the vision, however you 
process this. We're going to try to talk about it. That's why we're going to do two more parts to this to break up the F-I-L-L to really give us a clear picture of how we're going to move into our future. I do hope that some of you will be more committed after we share this vision. Some of you might leave our church, and that's okay. Wherever you go, please just be rooted there. Stop hopping around. Be rooted there. And believe in their vision and do that vision. Because that's what God has called you to do. We're not here to build the largest church. That is not our goal. If that was our goal, we would do a lot of things differently. My messages will be different. But we're not here to build the largest church. What we are here to do is to make disciples of all nations. To help people to be raised up to obey God above anyone else. And no other name except for the name of Jesus. And I pray that you will find your purpose in God. And as you align yourself with His purposes, you will find joy. You'll find meaning, significance, wherever you are. It doesn't matter how old you are or how young you are. My hope and prayer is that you will experience the power of God every single day as you spend time with Him. Because Jesus is that good. He is that good. There is no one that sticks closer to you than a brother or a sister. It is Jesus. There's no one who will lay down their life the way He has laid down His life on the cross for you. No one. Paul says perhaps a, a righteous man might do that. But Jesus Christ, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. There's no one else who will do that. Jesus is that awesome. He is that good, that worthy to give our lives to, our whole lives. And I pray that we will do that. So the next steps that I want to encourage us to do and participate at different levels, first of all, is to pray for Phil. Not the person Phil, P-H-I-L, but <laughs> I, I just heard it and I'm like, wait a minute, pray for Phil. If, if you are Phil, we'll pray for you. Come on up. I don't know if we have a Phil in our church. But anyway, if you're Phil, we'll pray for you. But pray for those four things. And what we're going to try to do is we're going to pray for one of them each week. Whether it's on a Sunday, whether whatever, we're going to try to really focus in this next season. One week we'll just pray just throughout the whole week, just pray about foundation. We'll pray for impact the following week. We'll pray for just linking up together. How, how are we going to And we might not get there yet. But we could do little things. Maybe a couple of life groups can link up together. Hey, let's do this outreach. And then eventually I pray that we'll be able to launch more church plants and more places we could reach in the 18 districts of Hong Kong and hopefully send some of you back to your home country to start a church because the need for the gospel is great. I'm going to talk more about this next week and the week afterwards. So at least start praying for each of these things, one of, one of the letters per week. And we'll model it. We'll, we'll try to do it from the stage. We'll try to do it in different contexts in life group. But we want to have a schedule where we're praying. And those, some of you are so smart. You're like, Pastor, how about those months where we have five weeks? Then you take a break. Then you pray about Jesus, all right? That he will be famous. But we're going to pray for each of these every single week. And I believe God's going to stir our hearts. He's going to do something powerful. Second thing is this. Prep for the future. Not only pray, but we need to prep. We want people who will really hear, hear the sense of calling from God. We want to prepare you. 
wherever God will send you. Whether it's your workplace, your families, whether it's your neighborhoods, we want to try to prepare you. And so we're not going to do it all at once. We can't. We're just going to do it planned very carefully, methodically. That's why our undergrad retreat, there's a reason why we're having our undergrad retreat this year and not any other years. And so we're going to, we're going to pray, we're going to plan, we're going to do everything we can to make sure that you are prepared for the calling that God has given to you and the calling that God has given to us. So we're going to ask you to participate in this preparation. That means take advantage of all the things that God is giving to you. Take advantage of it. It's not about meetings. Don't just sign up for things and go to meetings and do all this stuff. But to really say, God, what is it on your heart? What is it you want me to do? Maybe I need to apply for that missions project. Or maybe I need to join ministry teams so I can learn how to serve and grow. Maybe I need to get together with some people and just pray together. You don't need permission from us. Just go come together and pray so you can prepare for what it is that God is doing. Number three is to pour ourselves out. If there's anything that we could copy Jesus, is he poured himself out. I pray that the blessings we receive, the things that God has already deposited in us, that we will be able to pour that out to other people. Some of you have gone through some incredible things. Not only hardships, but maybe some of these things where God helped you to overcome something. Pour yourself out. Just like a jar being filled. Pour it out, and then as it empties, God will fill you with more. To make this vision a reality, the future that we're talking about, it's going to require people to pour themselves out. The time, the energy, whatever it may be. We want to pour ourselves out. And lastly, pay the price. It's amazing when Jesus gave those parables about counting the cost of following him. A builder building something and was not able to finish it. A king going into war and realizing how many soldiers they had compared to the other side. He talks about paying the price or counting the cost. And the reason why is because if you want to do anything great, it will require sacrifice. It will require your life. And I pray that Jesus is so awesome and so worthy that he is worth laying down our lives to say, God, here I am. I only have one life to live. I don't know when it's going to end. Some of you are going to live to about 80 years old. Some of you will live to about 60. Some of you might even die earlier. We don't know when we're going to die, but with my one life, Lord, not waiting until I could predict when I'm going to die. You, you can't. But with my one life, right now, I want to give myself to you and say, God, here I am. Send me. And whatever you want to do, I'm yours. May that be our heart for the glory of God. Thank you for listening to the Harvest Mission Community Church Podcast. For more information, visit our website at hongkong.hmcc.net.